You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Amen. All right, I hope you're excited for the Word of God. Amen. We are in the final section of the book of Acts, and everyone say hallelujah. And the last section is called the cost of purpose. And today we're we're kind of at the pinnacle of Paul's decision for Christ. At this point, there is no turning back in his mind. His life, the way he's living it, he's saying, my life is not my own. He says, whether I suffer or not, it doesn't matter. One commentator called this section of the book of Acts a death march, that he's on his way to Jerusalem, and we're going to get there today, and that doesn't go well, and then on to Rome, where he will give his life for the sake of the gospel. He'll become a martyr. And Paul, in his life, he demonstrates what I would call, uh, and what we're going to kind of focus on this morning and explore, total surrender total surrender and i believe it's god's perfect timing and this is don't worry this is not a message about the building okay Um, but i do believe that god wants to get a hold of our hearts in regards to what he wants us to do i want to pause here for a second when you know i want you to know when i preach I really try to live out what I preach, believe it, you know, whether you believe that or not. And, uh, but today, when we take a closer look at Paul and his perspective, uh, the idea that all that I am, all that I wish for, all that I have is yours, it's all for the sake of the gospel. You know, I, I, was, I was thinking, who can say that and say it with integrity? Like everything that I think about, everything that I do, it's all for the glory of God. Who today in our culture is even modeling that? And my guess is, like you, it's kind of hard to get someone in your mind. And, uh, and seriously, I want this to be true, this idea of total surrender or absolute surrender uh, with no other agenda than the kingdom of God. But when we look at Paul, he had that kind of attitude, no question. And so what we're talking about today, it's rare air, so to speak. These are, these are tough topics, but it's what we are going to study. And after, as we kind of bring uh, Acts to a conclusion, this is what we're going after. Total surrender, individually and corporately. I have two quick side thoughts uh, before I get into Acts chapter 21 and 22. Um, I was preparing on Friday afternoon, and, and I was out at a picnic table overlooking the Grand River, and there was a guy that kind of showed up at another picnic table just a little ways away, and he was in a, uh, kind of looked like he was in business and taking a break, and, and I said hi to him, and then when he got up to leave, um, he said, hey, looks like you're working hard. I was all spread out, and, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm preparing for a message on Sunday, and he said, oh, what are you preaching? And I'm like, oh. Hey, this guy must be a believer, and, and he was. And, and I said, oh, I'm talking about Paul and his final journey. He's heading into Jerusalem and, and uh, how he, he was single focus. And, and I, I shared how you know, this idea of total surrender, that all that he was, all, all that he you know, had was always for Christ focus. And, I, and I'm going to challenge our people to kind of live that way. And he says, he says, man, he says, that's a tough one, isn't it? I said, yeah, it is. And uh, and he says, I can think of one person 
on the fly, he said, I can think of one person, he said, a missionary that was part of our church that lived that way. And it was almost to the point, this guy said, that because of his total commitment to Christ, you we would often wonder, is this guy for real? This is what the guy's telling me. Like, is it really for real? Is he crazy? Is he insane? And the reality, when you read and study the book of Acts and you look at the life of Paul, that's the type of thing that you could, you could say. Just like this guy on the Grand River saying, man, this guy I know that was totally sold out, totally surrendered, a little crazy, maybe a little insane. The other thing I'd say is that when we talk about hard things, which well, we're going to talk about total surrender today, I get it. It's hard. And again, I, I strive for this, but it, it, I'm not doing it perfectly I hope that we can move the needle a little bit, but hard things in life are worth it. And I want you to know that it's worth the work. We are not going to, and I know what I put, sissify this. <laughs> we are not going to do that. We are going to bring this with authority, and we believe, I believe, that we are ready to step into what God wants for us corporately and individually. And now the good news is, statistically, um, for most of us, probably, we will not give our lives for the sake of the gospel by being a martyr. For some, that may be the case. There may be some that um, will have to choose to do that in your lifetime, and uh, God will help you in that. And, uh, and I've shared my story before, and I've got to keep moving here because, man, I've got a lot of notes here. So, um, but, uh, but I've shared my story that you know, there was one point in my life I stood up and said, Lord, I will give my life for you. And, uh, and I mean, that would be the ultimate total surrender. Let's turn to Acts chapter 9. We're going to start there. Acts chapter 9, and it's Paul's call. Um, this is the road to Damascus, um, on the road to Damascus, I should say. It's Paul's conversion story. Um, verse 15, the Lord said to Ananias, he said, go, this man, that's Paul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, to their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. When you look at Paul, where did it all start in regards to this road that he's on that will lead to his death? It starts right here on the road to Damascus, and that is Paul's call. And you look at it, he's a chosen instrument uh, to bring it to the Gentiles, which he's done, to their kings, so to leaders within the uh, communities, and Paul is certainly doing that, and to the people of Israel. That's why he wanted to get back to Jerusalem. And then it just, I had read over this many times, but I will show him how much he must suffer, the cost of purpose for my name. That is where it starts. Now you fast forward to, uh, to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verses 22 and 23 and 24. We read this last week. It says, now, now Paul is well on his journey. And he says, at this point, now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. It's his call. It's his, what God has called him to do. It's his duty. He says, not knowing what will happen to me there. He says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Total surrender, right? You guys see it? That my life is, means nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news 
of God's grace. So he's on to Jerusalem. It's this idea of total surrender. And as we move into chapter 21, 22, and really 23, but that'll be next, next week, um, 21 and 22, we see Paul, he's total surrender. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 21. I'll read the first part of the story. It says, after we had torn ourselves away from them, he had been meeting with the uh, leaders of Ephesus that he loved dearly. He says, we put out to sea and sailed straight to cause. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there we went to Patera. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus, we passed to the south of it. Uh, we sailed on to Syria. We landed in Tyre, where our ship was unloaded, uh, or to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them for seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out to the city, out of the city, and uh, there on the beach we knelt and prayed. And I thought about it, you know, just kind of imagine we live in a beach town. Can you imagine just the whole church going out and the, there's a ship that's kind of docked into the sand and Paul's about to leave again and uh, kind of set him off. It says, after saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed in Ptolemus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip. This is all on the third missionary journey. Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. And uh, that goes back to the earlier on when seven were chosen. And uh, long story short there, uh, it says he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After they had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, coming over to us. He took Paul's belt, and I love this. He, he really does an object lesson. He takes Paul's belt, tied it, his own hands with it, and his feet. And he said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. He's seen this by the Spirit of God. It's the same, and what's interesting, that's exactly what God told Paul was going to happen. He says, look, not knowing what's going to happen in chapter 20. You know, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship is facing me, right? And so the Holy Spirit, he has a consistent message. You guys see that? It says, when we heard this, and this is Luke saying this, writing this, so Luke is including himself, so Luke is there. He says, when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. They're saying, don't go on to Jerusalem. But then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? He says, I'm not ready only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. And it's interesting, when you look at a map, up to Jerusalem means in topography. It was kind of up the hill, and uh, it was actually south. <laughs> and so anyway, um, but some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and, and brought us to the home of Manassan, uh, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. So I read this. Paul had one mind. He was single focus. You can read that and see the total surrender. Do you see it? You guys tracking with me so far? And there's a couple things that I want to note here that I think are of interest and that are important for us. And the first thing to note is that Paul was not dissuaded 
by the opinions of other people, by others. Many believers make the mistake in their lives, and I can even put myself there at times, and you say, the goal in my life is to dodge hardship. And that's kind of our natural human instinct, that we want to avoid hard things. I get that. It's natural. But Paul, instead, understood by the presence of the Holy Spirit, confirmed through Agabus and what he was sensing, that hardship was coming for him. And what Paul says, I'm not going to avoid it. I am going to be ready for the hardship. My life is all for God, no matter what. And I love what verse 13 says. I want to be this type of person. Look at verse 13 again. It says, then Paul answered, I am not only ready to be bound, but also to die for the Lord, for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea here is that once it is clear what God's will is, this is important, no one can talk me out of it. Once you have a clear direction from God, no one can get you to change your mind, even when God's will is hard to accept. And when you think about hard to accept, when you, have, when you feel like God has called you to do something that's hard to accept, it's, easy, uh, it's easier for yourself to kind of acknowledge that and maybe do that. How many can acknowledge with me that it's harder with those that we love when they're following God's will and they're heading into some hard territory? Uh, if you know what I mean, you're saying, man, not my kids, right? Or not my spouse or not my parents. And when it's hard, there's a couple reasons it might be hard. Maybe you don't want to be separated from them. You know, how could this be God's will if, they're, if God's calling them to be a missionary and to go to India or to Africa or something like that? Or even it's hard for our daughter. We just took her to college. We're saying, how could this be God's will? Can't God be calling her right here to West Michigan? There's good Bible colleges right here, right? But she knew and we knew that it was the right thing. Another reason you say, man, I don't want that person to suffer. I love them too much. And you watch someone you love walk into something that's difficult. I kind of felt that way with my parents as we kind of shared this story. They're saying, man, are you sure this is God's will for you in this process with the building? And, uh, and, and I could see that they're, they're, they're like, wow, this is hard. We don't want you to have to deal with this. And I told them, no, we were created for this. <laughs> and, uh, and we moved on. But the other reason, sometimes people that you love, you see them going into hardship, maybe you don't want them, their obedience to single you out as well. And I, I was just thinking, well, I got a word from the Lord. Uh, and this is for someone here. Uh, do not get in between God and his plan. It's even with your loved ones. And I don't know who that's for, but I just really sensed that. I was praying and praying over my message, wrote that in my message this morning. And, uh, and it was interesting. I was sharing this with uh, Pastor Bobby, and uh, he was saying, you know, it reminds me, uh, often when, uh, when we send out missionaries or we send out teams of missionaries, we'll often pray that the missions team will be safe. Like, oh God, you know, keep them safe. And uh, Pastor Bobby gave me a really good perspective. He says, I like to pray that the team will be effective, not safe. 
I was like, ooh, I like that distinction. The idea that, you know, safety is not our primary reason for going <laughs> or, you know, that kind of thing. What we want to pray is that you're effective. And Jim, you're leaving for India here in just a couple weeks. And uh, God, we're praying that you're effective and safe. <laughs> and, uh, and we can still pray that way. But uh, I really, I thought, man, that's good. We want to pray that we'd be effective. Paul was not dissuaded by the opinions of others. He knew he was heading into some hard times. And that was the uh, thing. The second thing we can see is that Paul did not put limits on God. He understood what God was saying, that even if he suffered, even if he died, gave it all, total surrender. And we see this all throughout the New Testament. One example, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verses, verse 8. And uh, this was in my notes. This is what I gave to Bonnie, verse 8. But then I was reading the rest of the passage this morning, and I want to share it all uh, if we can. Uh, Philippians 3, 8 says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, everything. And he just had listed all of his credentials, all the things that he's done. He says that I may gain Christ and be found in him, having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. And I know this is not on the slides. Uh, Bear with me. He says, I want to know Christ, verse 10. And he goes on. Verse 12 says, not that I have already obtained all this or that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that uh, for which Christ took hold of me. But this one thing, verse 13, forgetting what's behind, straining for what's ahead, he says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize of which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He goes back to his call. He goes back to the will of God for his life. And he says, look, I am not going to put limits on God. I will do whatever. The goal is there. I'm going to focus on this. And when you think about, you know, do we ever put limits on God? Oh, yeah, we do. (laughs) You, you might say things like, well, you know, God, I feel like you're calling me to, to speak up, but I could never speak up. That's just not my nature. Or maybe God has called you to give something, to be generous in some way, and you say, oh, God, I could never afford to do that. Or maybe you, you say, uh, you know, I could... Uh, you know, God is calling you to go somewhere, to, to, do, to be a part of maybe a missions trip or, or to, to go to move or to do something. You say, I could never be away from whoever it is, my parents, or I could never be away from my family, or I could never be away from my friends. I could never, I could never, I could never. We if we're not careful, we can limit God. But Paul didn't do that. Uh, it's kind of like the sign of, of Gideon. You know, okay, God, if, if it's your will, make the, the, the sheet wet and the ground around it dry. And then God does it. And you say, okay, well, God, let's reverse that. Let's say the ground will be wet and then the sheet or the, the lamb, lamb's wool will be dry. And you say, we play games. We test God. Or we limit God. Well, Paul did not do that church the challenge for us the goal the challenge is to care about nothing other than the reputation of jesus christ that is what we're calling each other to in this season 
And that's the perspective Paul had. Back to Acts chapter, uh, chapter 21, uh, starting in verse 17. I'll continue to read. It says, When we arrived in Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest went to see James and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry, kind of like a missions report. He says, when they heard this, they praised God. They said to Paul, you see, brother, uh, how many thousands of Jews have believed and all of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to be circumcised or not to circumcise their children or to live according to our custom. What shall we do? And we're going to come back to that here in just a second. They will certainly hear that you have come so do what we tell you. And they came up with a plan. It said, there are four men with us who have made a vow. And that was a Nazarite vow. We'll talk about that in a second as well. Take these men, join them in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so that they can have their heads shaved. <laughs> okay. Uh, then everyone will know that there is no truth in this report about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. The next day, Paul did it. He took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the, the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for each of them. Now, and sorry for the long reading there. Let me explain what's happening here. Paul, he heads into Jerusalem and they, they praise God initially, but there were all these Jews that had given their hearts to the Lord, but were still really hanging on to the Old Testament law. And then they falsely accuse Paul of several things here in verse 21. Verse 21 says, They've informed us that, you're, that, that you're saying that the Gentiles uh, should turn away from Moses, which Paul never did, right? And telling them not to be circumcised, and, and the, that just wasn't the case, and to live, not to live according to their customs. And again, false accusations. Paul endured false accusations at this point. And so they come up with this concoction. There were a group of guys that were going to take a Nazarite vow, usually for 30 days, a symbol of total surrender, uh, kind of in regards to the law. And there would be no alcohol. You couldn't touch dead bodies. And there was always something to do with their hair. They would shave their heads. And so Paul would have to shave his head. There were some lifetime Nazarites. Uh, does anyone know any? Remember any? Samson, right? Can anyone name anyone else? John the Baptist, Samuel, those are three for sure. But Paul, in the face of this, he doesn't deny the accusations. He doesn't fight for himself and say, you got it all wrong. He doesn't demand that they take it back and, and cause a fight. He doesn't turn it on them and say, look, are you following the law? And uh, he doesn't devour them. The other thing is, you don't see Paul with this ego or pride. He just goes along with their plan. And I'm thinking, I'm reading this, and as I understand the story, I'm thinking, does Paul have to do this? Absolutely not. He could have justified himself. He could have stood there and stood his ground. But Paul decides to go the extra mile, to turn the other cheek, to take the high road, so to speak. 
You say, why would Paul do that? They falsely accuse him. He hasn't done any of these things. He did it for the sake of the gospel. This is the key. The why behind him doing this? Paul honored God. He honored God. And he's a great example for us. We do the right thing because we honor God. It's not for the responses of others. The why behind it should be because it's for the gospel. I want to pause here for a second. If I do something right with pure motives and I do it for the Lord, kind of like Paul does in this motive or in this area, what's the natural idea that comes to mind? Like, if I do what's right, if I do it with pure motives and I'm doing it for the Lord, what do we normally think? We think, man, the blessings have got to be coming, right? <laughs> right? The blessings are coming. Come on, Lord, bless me. I just did something that was hard. Well, I have sad news. <laughs> Sometimes the blessings do come, and they're wonderful. And I've experienced that many times, but not necessarily all the time. You say, what? <laughs> you know, and that surprises a lot of believers, and a lot of people turn from the faith when it gets hard. But we're called the total surrender. And I'm not going to read the next section, what happens as he gets there. Um, he's arrived in Jerusalem. Uh, what happens in the next several verses from 27 to 36, um, things do not go well for Paul. Things kind of go sideways. He's in Jerusalem. Things get stirred up. Verse 30, it says the whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions. They seized Paul. They dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. So they kick him out of the temple and they're like, you're not allowed here. You're not wanted here. What does Paul do? Does he give up there? Does he hang his head? Does he throw in the towel? No. Paul, in typical fashion, we've seen this before, but he does it again. The next thing I noted is that Paul testifies in the face of opposition. He's getting all this trouble, but he testifies. Look at verse 37, and I know this is not in the notes, um, uh, but it says, as the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, they're going to take him, throw him into prison, he asks the commander, may I say something to you? He says, let me tell you my story, and they let him share and he goes on and, and he shares his testimony of how, of how God got a hold of him on the road to Damascus. And he t shares about his call and he shares about how God has worked over the past 10 years at this point. He gets to verse 22, the crowd had been listening. And it says until that point, um, they were okay. But then they raised their voices and they shouted, rid the earth of Paul, uh, rid the earth of him. He is not fit to live. And things again go sideways. He testifies in the face of opposition. You say, where is God in all of this? If you, if you read this and you're wondering, you know, did God forget him again? Absolutely not. At the end of this passage, actually into what we're going to study next week in 23, verse 11, it says Paul, that in the middle of the night, Paul's in prison, the Lord stood near Paul. Remember when we said a couple weeks ago that, that the Lord, he, he'll, he'll give you a word? Well, that's what happens here again. He says to Paul, take courage as you have 
testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. And so God gave him another piece of the puzzle. And now from this point, Paul's direction is to go to Rome. And so at that point, he's got a word from the Lord. He knows he's going to be okay in that situation. He continues to persevere through suffering. It's all focused on Jesus, this idea of total surrender. And as we wrap up this morning, in this next few moments, I've got a big question for each of us. What can God do with a man or a woman who is totally surrendered to him? I want that to sink in. I'm going to ask the team to come back. And you think, what can God do with a man or a woman totally surrendered to him? And we often talk about three ways, uh, three areas that we can surrender or ways that we can give. We can give of our time, our talent, and our treasure, right? And look, what if we said with our time, the way we look at our calendar and we say, all that I am, all that I hope to be, all that I have in regards to my time It all only matters for you, Jesus. What would that look like? Or what about your talent? Each and every one of us have gifts and abilities that God has uniquely created for each of us to accomplish. What if you lived your life saying, all of my talent, all of my abilities, 100%, all that matters in regards to my talent is what Jesus gets the glory for in my life what could god do or what about our treasure our resources i mean what if you said all that i have all that hope to be all that matters in regards to my finances or my treasure my resources it's all about jesus what could god do with a man or a woman that has that kind of perspective And I'm calling myself to that type of standard. I want to be that type of leader. But I don't want to be alone. I want each of us to move the needle towards that perspective. To say, God, all that I have, everything that I live for, it's for you, Jesus. And then you think, you put together a few folks that are living with that kind of perspective. And I know it's hard. You think, what could God do with us here at the Gateway Church if we were completely sold out, total surrender? This is what we are going after, church, in this season. This is what we're calling you to. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We understand that when God calls, when He puts an idea in our hearts, Sometimes it's not easy. But I'm calling you to a high standard. What kind of things hold us back quickly? And then we're going to sing and, and uh, just kind of set our hearts before the Lord. I have a, a short list here. Our friends and our family can hold us back. The people around us, the people that are influencing in our lives can hold us back from that perspective. How about just the idea of security? Uh, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm not going to take a risk. Um, That can hold you back from doing everything that God wants you. 
and really the biggest thing is probably fear. It's like, God, if I give everything to you, all that I have, all that I um, hope for, my dreams, my future, if I say all that's yours, Lord, there, there's a little fear that may come with that, and I get that. But the only thing that really matters in this life is what we do for the gospel. And that's the truth. I've got a few other notes. I'm going to skip over that for now. What God, I believe, is calling us to here in this moment is to a place, he wants us to get to a place of total surrender. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to set our hearts with a song uh, that we sang earlier, that everything is for the Lord. And uh, I think it will set our hearts. And what I want you to do as we sing this together, um, I want you to consider that last question. Let's go ahead and put that back up there, that last question. What if, what could God do through a man or a woman who is total surrendered? And I'm going to ask that you stand, and I want you to ask that question here for a few moments as we begin, and then once we're into the song, then let's go back to the song and the words so we can sing it together. Let's set our hearts before the Lord. Amen. As we remain in this time of, of worship, can I just ask that we all bow our heads and close our eyes, and if there's any of you in this room right now, you're saying, man, I, I want to be totally surrendered. Like, I want to build my life. On this, on this person called Jesus, but I, you know what? I don't have a relationship with him. It's, it's just not existing. Or maybe I once had one, and, and it's been far and few in between now since we've talked last, and it's just we kind of have disconnected. And, and I just want to provide a time, an opportunity. Again, no one's looking around, and, and I just want to ask simply, if that's you, if you're in this room where where you don't have this the relationship with Jesus, I want to, man, I want to offer the opportunity. That's the, that's the free gift of salvation. And, and, and again, it's, it's something that we all are offered. It's something, it's our human right uh, to have this relationship uh, with our creator. And so if that's you on the count of three, I just encourage you to slip up your hand, and I want to pray with you and pray for you. Uh, in this journey that you are about to embark on. So on the count of three, number one, I believe that it's going to change you. Two, uh, man, there's there's no turning back. It's going to be the best decision you've ever made. Three, if that's you, if you wanted to put your hand up, shoot your hand up, and we'll pray for you again. If And if you are, man, want to recommit your life even uh, to the Lord this, this morning and in, in this opportunity right now, if you wanted to raise your hand, We'll give you time. We'll give you time. Church, if I could uh, at this time have all eyes on me, um, we're together in this. We're together in this. Man, no hands are raised, but hey, that's a good sign. Man, we're, we all have this relationship with our creator. We all have this opportunity, man, to surrender to him, to give him everything. And I love it. I love even, as Jesus said in, in, in Matthew, you can go check this out, but for those that try and keep their life, man, they're, they're going to lose it. But for those that, that lose it for my sake, man, they're going to gain it. And so we've all 
made that that uh, first step and having a relationship with him. And so now it's just putting it into motion, walking it out each and every day. And so with that said, can we do this? Can we pray as we all together, as we end this service and before we're about to dismiss and leave for the rest of our Sundays? But uh, let's do that. Let's pray together, shall we? Dear Lord, we thank you so much uh, for this time that we get to be here together, Lord. And we just give it to you. We surrender to you our lives, every, every area, every facet, every part of our life, Lord God, whether it's um, within our marriage, within our, our finances, within our relationships, whether it's uh, us as individuals, Lord God. Um, I mean, I just pray and ask that we can continue to surrender our lives to you and build our lives on, on you, on the rock, on a firm foundation, Lord God, and that you would continue uh, to supply our need, Lord God, that you would continue uh, to give us uh, peace if that is what we need and that is what we're asking of wisdom, Lord God, of, of a blessing, of a healing touch, Lord God. We just continue to ask as we surrender to you, Lord God, as we give you everything, Lord Jesus, to come and to meet us, uh, to meet our need, Lord Jesus, we ask and, and we give it to you and, and be with us for us this Sunday, uh, be uh, before us, behind us, and all around us, Lord God, we ask and pray. In your mighty, precious, holy name, amen, amen. Well, church, we love you. We're, we're so excited. Um, and we're going to uh, open up the doors. You're officially dismissed, but um, feel free to stay, continue the conversation. I know this altars will open up for any prayer. I'll be up here. But uh, uh, with that said, may you have a blessed rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you back here uh, next week. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.